Hello, yes, for the first time in 2021, the sound of the start of your weekend, the NTT20 betting show. We've got a, a disparate docket this weekend. I think there's six games in League One, there's six games in League Two, and there's a ton of games in the FA Cup. But if you've been listening to this show for a while, you know that the FA Cup is not necessarily our, our happiest hunting ground on this pod, but we're going to do our best with selections ahead of the weekend. Now, this podcast this week is brought to you in association with Five Yards. Yes. Now, some of you will have heard us talk about Five Yards before, but not on an NTT20 pod for a while. George, why are we talking about it now? Because, you know, Five Yards is something that you and I have been involved with since, um, you know, it really started to be born. It launched about six weeks ago. Uh, go to fiveyards.co.uk to sign up now. And if you're listening to this, it means you're interested in football. It means you're interested in gambling and Five Yards will basically have you covered. Because if you want to play the game, you are effectively buying players you are taking on the prices that five yards set you're saying this is too high or too low the prices are based on performance pay so if you're a player you'll earn performance pay when you score goals when you get assists when you win games but um and then there's also a scouting side so if you're not too interested in the in the buying and selling of players you can literally go to any player on the game, any player and write a scout report. You can then share your scout scout reports around as well. We think it's a really exciting thing, a really exciting addition to the football content sphere, to the football gaming sphere as well. Um, so we're excited to, to, for you guys to check it out. So if you haven't looked at it before, you know, I, I know we probably pointed you in, in the direction of the social media channel in the past, but now five yards is live and kicking transfer windows are on tuesdays and fridays so that's when you can actually buy and sell players but you can always go on have a look around and by all means do let us know if you've got any questions or any issues uh, we're trying to get as many efl players on there as we can you can also request players and five yards will do their very very best to put them up on the on the game as well so get involved with five, I mean, I know that we often tell you to get involved in stuff, um, and we have we've had quite a few sponsors on the betting show in the last couple of years. But this is one, you know, it we've been part of its creation, we're part of the story, and we're going to be part of it going forward. And we think it's going to be a pretty big deal. We think that many of you will really enjoy it, so please do take some time out today and check it out. Uh, later on, after our betting selections, you'll hear us talking about Five Yards on the weekly Five Yards Five, which is a weekly YouTube show on the Five Yards YouTube channel. Uh, just discusses players in terms of five yards, uh, interesting players that we think might be worth buying or selling or just keeping an eye on. Uh, and hopefully you'll enjoy that and look into it. But let's get into the weekend's punting. This podcast is for over 18s only. We will be talking about betting and betting comes with significant risks, both financial and otherwise. Please make sure that if you're listening to this podcast, you have visited Be Gamble Aware um, to get all the information that you need around the risks that come with gambling and also that you are over 18. We missed last week's show. We had a weekend off, but we did tweet four picks for those who were really hungry for them, three of which won Bournemouth, Carlisle <laughs> and Mansfield. And the other game was cancelled, the Luton game. So, I mean, not quite a four out of four clean sweep, but not too bad at all. George, across the various competitions in which EFL teams are playing this weekend, what is your nap? What is therefore your best bet? I'm sticking to EFL, Ali. I know you're you're um, diversifying a bit by heading to the FA Cup, um, but I'm sticking EFL. And my nap comes in League Two. I am backing Bradford to go and pile on the misery 
at Scunthorpe. Um, I can't really seem to get Scunthorpe too right at the moment, but there are some pretty worrying signs since their mini um, renaissance, shall we say. We've seen them lose three of their last four games. Those three games have been against Grimsby, Stevenage and Mansfield. Now, in the case of Mansfield, I think it's quite clear that this performance from Mansfield was the beginning of a new Nigel Clough's Mansfield because they've gone on since then, destroyed Port Vale 4-0, beaten Salford in a pretty convincing 2-1 win where Salford scored very, very late to, to take a bit of the gloss off. Scunthorpe have got a win in the middle of that away at Walsall, but I, I, I'm pretty happy to, to kind of assess that they've reverted back to a back to the kind of the mean, back to where they were beforehand. And they're coming up against the Bradford side who have improved markedly since um, parting ways with Stuart McCall. Whether or not that is um, going to continue, we can't be too sure. But the prices available at the moment, Bradford are eight to five best price. That's with Skybet. I, I think they're definitely worth backing. You know, if you look at the recent run of form as well, they have been very, very solid. They they beat Tranmere away on the road 1-0 last time. They played an away game. They drew it home to Port Vale last time out. Um, it's kind of low margin football list. They're a side who have been shored up by the caretaker managers and, and come up against the Scunthorpe team who are pretty porous defensively. And if, and if their issue is going to be scoring goals, I don't think it's going to be so much of one this time around. Um, so, yeah, it's not... There aren't very many games to choose from this week. I wouldn't say it's one of my strongest snaps, but I do think there is still some value about... Because this is the Bradford side as well, who in terms of just pure squad quality shouldn't be where they are, really. Um, so yeah, I'm happy to side with Bradford at eight to five to uh, to get the job done at Scunthorpe. So you haven't been put off by today Scunthorpe announcing the signing of Jem Karachan and George <laughs> and George Taft on loan from Bournemouth uh, from Bolton no. from Bolton. Sorry, no. Okay, well my nap is Gillingham to beat Burton. Currently eleven to eight best price. Really the only team that I want to back at the prices this weekend in the EFL. Um, and therefore my nap. And uh, if I don't sound excited about it, then that would be wrong. Um, Burton are an interesting case, aren't they? Because in their last five games, they've conceded five, four, five, three, and two. Now, of course, before their last game against Oxford, they did both sack the manager, Jake Buxton, and hire Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. And I guess that's what m- makes the waters a little murkier here when it comes to Burton. My stance is that I don't think there will be a new manager bounce for Burton necessarily. Now, in a sense, all he has to do is get one point from a run of about four games to to improve the current form. So perhaps they might not lose every single game under him. But I've got a feeling, and it's only that, it's only a gut feeling, that Burton's issues under Buxton weren't necessarily down to downing tools because of a a poor relationship with the manager or to do with a lack of effort necessarily. So in that sense, you know, you can see how a new energy around the place and a new positivity around the place when players have, as I said, sort of stopped playing for the manager, which is often the phrase that gets used. You could see why that would make an an impact, a market impact uh, in, in the first few games of a managerial regime. Not necessarily sure that that was the problem or that is the problem. And so... The next question is how much work would Hasselbank and Dino Mamria, his assistant, have done this week on the training pitch to make Burton that much better? I am not convinced about Hasselbank. I know that his 
you know, I, I think two things. I think it's a good appointment for Burton and I would be excited if I was a Burton fan because of what he did last time he was at the club. But since then, spells at QPR, a spell at Northampton and a spell out of the game, it doesn't necessarily scream to me that he's going to come back in and, and do a great job. And let's be clear, he doesn't have a ton at his disposal either. Burton, one of the smallest budgets in the league, it has felt like in previous seasons where they have always punched above their weight and where they've always had an identity um, and a playing style and good recruitment, it kind of feels like they've taken a year off this year and it probably will will result in relegation. So a lot depends on what you think about Hasselbank and if you think he if you think he's the sort of manager who will really raise spirits and who can really get a good first performance, I won't give him that Oxford game, but get a really good first performance here against Gillingham, then you might not fancy this. But I think Gillingham are a better side than Burton. I think that the way that Jill's play, if they're up for it, I would I, I would be very, very I'd be very confident of them winning this game. Now they are not the most consistent side either. What I would say in in favour of Gillingham is they've played four of the bottom five already and they've beaten all four of them, Swindon, Wigan, Rochdale and Wimbledon. So it's just Burton to finish the set really of them beating all of the bottom five. That's what's keeping them, you know, nice and comfortable, well above the, the relegation places. So I just believe in Gillingham. I don't believe in Burton just yet. And I was surprised to see the price at uh, 11 to 8. So I'm backing Gills to win as my nap. I'm also going to introduce you to my first of two bonus bets because it's in this game as well. And it is Connor Ogilvy, first goal scorer in this game for Gillingham. 33 to 1 with bet 365. I'll be taking the each way prices as well. Um, and I mean, it's a simple one, really. Burton have conceded 15 goals from set pieces, the highest in League One. Um, and, and from watching Gillingham and from and from looking at Scout, looking at the stats, Ogilvy most likely to get on the end of Gillingham set pieces. And they are not shy in swinging balls into the box, that's for sure. So I'm all over the 33 to 1. Uh, Jill's nap, Ogilvy. First goal scorer for Gillingham, 33-1 to 1 as a bonus. Uh, and now I hand over the reins to you. Yeah, I'm backing Accrington, 11-8, to 8, draw no bet. And I just, you know, can someone respect the name of Accrington Stanley, please? Because they are so far in League One, one of the best teams in the division. Through their 16 games, they've got 30 points. They're sitting in eighth, which is a false position. They should be higher because they've had so many games called off. They're coming up against the Charlton side who have been in a rotten run of form. We have to say they've only won one of their last six games, which was against AFC Wimbledon, um, which they won 5-2 with a brilliant second half performance. But that second half performance was sadly for Charlton. Um, it was the anomaly in the, the, at the moment. I think we can expect them to improve. So, Thomas Sandgard, the new owner, um, if this is his first full transfer window funding the club's recruitment and they've already brought in Ronnie Schwartz from FC Michelin. Great name. And, yeah, a, a lovely name. And Liam Miller um, from Liverpool on loan. Two players we don't know much about, but we'll see if they're going to come straight into the side here. Um, and, and I do think Charlton are going to recover. You know, this is a, this is a poor runner form. It's a bit of a blip. Um, but my opinion is that this is not an ideal game for them because they're coming up against an Accrington side who haven't played since December the 19th. So they're going to come in fresh. This is an Accrington side who are used to having long periods um, without playing football because of postponements, not even this season, but historically. Um, Ross Sykes looks set to still be injured, but in Burgess, Hughes and Nottingham, they have a back three who perform admirably week in, week out. I'm just a big fan of the Sacrington side. And I think they are where they are on merit. And I think they're going to make life very difficult for Charlton. And I almost think that if Accrington were called something else at this stage, or if they'd played more games this season and they were in a different league position, they'd probably be a shorter price than they are. So yeah, I'm, I'm 
I, I'd be impressed if Charlton managed to to um, justify their their price here. Um, I think Accrington will give them a decent game and have every chance of coming away with it with at least a draw and possibly all three points. Anything else you think is worth flagging up about Charlton Accrington on Friday night? We're going to be in the Sky Studios doing a special EFL ones to watch. We're going to give it a little bit of a transfer tilt, aren't we? Oh, transfer so twist. Get in there for that. We'll be on at about 10.30. So once you've watched Accrington beat Charlton 1-0, keep the TV on for half an hour of fantastic post-match analysis. And then Ali and I will come on after that for an average um, chat about good young players for 15 minutes and we need to have a word off air about your organic plugging of various things that we do but we'll yes. work on that we'll work on that yes. um, i've got uh, as a next best a fancy in the fa cup um now there are so many games and it's so tough to predict the starting 11s especially on a thursday as it is today so it's tough to call out any obvious ricks um but i have got a selection and apologies to morecambe fans i don't feel particularly good about doing this um it's not it's not even an EFL player I'm actually backing Callum Hudson-Odoi to score any time against Morecambe this weekend for Chelsea that game's at Stamford Bridge um I'm really excited about it I'm excited to see how Morecambe get on uh, obviously al- although they're on excellent form of one four and four in the league they've also suffered a Covid outbreak which means they've barely trained for the last 10 days so Maybe they'll go into it with very fresh legs. Uh, I know Kelvin Meller was saying it's been quite nice to have a break, but he's also said we've barely had any training time and we've all been doing workouts at home, which I'm not sure (laughs) is the greatest preparation for a game against a team worth a combined sort of £800 million. But the reason I'm backing Hudson-Odoi to score any time, 2.3 currently best price, 13 to 10 with Betfair and Paddy Power. I mean, first thing to say is, I mean, Chelsea are best priced, I think, 1.09 to win this game, as you'd expect. So they're incredibly heavy favourites. They are even money with Skybet to score four or more goals. So the goal expectancy is exceptionally high. Tammy Abraham, who you'd probably think will start through the middle, is like 1.5 to score. But I think that Hudson-Odoi is a great shout in these games. Um, It's hard to predict the Chelsea team, and that's why... Um, you know, I, I would say hold off, I guess, until the teams are announced or until there's a bit more concrete team news as the weekend starts. But I can't see really why Hudson-Odoi wouldn't be involved and most likely from the start, given that um, it, it seems unlikely to me that like Pulisic would start having played a few games recently, having come back from injury, that Werner might get taken out the firing line or might even be put up top just to try and get some confidence. ZX come back from an injury and I wouldn't be surprised if they just give him a rest. And Hudson-Odoi's been knock- knocking on the door been playing really well recently, scored a couple of goals uh, off the bench, of course, in the Premier League recently. Um, and I, I think he will start. And if he does, I mean, it's just one of those games that's made for someone like him. You know, a great way to continue a good run of form, to keep putting pressure on his manager um, to start games more often. And Chelsea, I mean, in the last few years, they've thrashed EFL opposition. 6-0 against Barnsley, 7-1 against Grimsby. And that's really the game that flagged this up for me. I watched that Chelsea Barnsley 7-1 and Hudson-Odoi had six shots on the night, uh, on the day. He only scored one right at the end. I think it was his last shot. But Grimsby couldn't get near him. When he's on form up against a League 2 fullback, it's kind of like it's kind of like playing FIFA on beginner mode for him. Um, he drifts past players so easily. So I'm sure that he will take a lot of shots if he starts against Morecambe. And I'd be confident in one of them going in. And I think at 2.3, that is just quite a generous price. Uh, Morecambe obviously lost 7-0 to Newcastle earlier in the season. So 
far be it from me to suggest that will happen again. But it's kind of another tick in the box, even if they have been in good form in the league recently. So um, if Hudson Odoi starts, I'll definitely look to back him to score first as well. A uni bet and eight 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 are currently seven to one which feels exceptionally high to me. Um, but I will only be waiting until till I see him starting really before putting any bets on. My pick is hudson Adoy anytime 2.3 with Betfair. George, any bonus bets for us? Yeah, I've got one. It's a no-goal scorer or a nil-nil because Sporting Index, who are now doing a fixed odd service, they are 12 to 1 nil-nil and the no-goal scorer is 10 to 1 with 365 so i'll let you take your pick which one you prefer it's between port vale and grimsby um port vale i often quite like going for nil nils after a team has been walloped and they lost four nil to mansfield back on the 2nd of january and you you know john askey uh, has lost his job on the back of that but you'd have a feeling that quite a lot of work has gone into trying to keep tight ahead of this game and, and right those wrongs. They haven't scored in their last three. We know they're lacking a natural goal scorer. It's been an issue for them all season. Um, and they come up against the Grimsby side, again, who don't look in great form. Um, Paul Hurst has come in. And again, I'm pretty sure most of the work that have done on the training ground over the last few weeks would have been trying to keep tight. You know, I'm sure he'd, he's a pretty pragmatic manager anyway. And he'd been encouraging the ideas that if they keep, you know, from this stage on, if they keep 10 clean sheets at the end of the season, they're probably going to um, stay up and that's got to be the aim. Both teams have had nil-nil draws in their last two games as well, um, kind of showing, a, I guess, an attitude when games are tight in, in second halves. It isn't particularly gung-ho. Um, it's a massive price, I think. I thought it would be much shorter, it seems like. And, and also in the, in the last XG ratio tables I saw, which is before the last round of fixtures, both goal expectancies, expected goals, expectancies for and against for both sides was very low around about the one mark so neither sides are particularly good at creating chances but have some solidity at the back so yeah nil nil or no goal scorer i'll let you choose right last but not least for me my bonus bet that isn't connor ogilvy first goal scorer is harrogate to win and both teams to score at 11 to 2 away to cambridge in league two this weekend i was boosted by the fact that you told me before I'd even told you about this, that you were thinking of backing Harrogate draw no bet. So you obviously saw <laughs> you obviously saw a bit of value. And I think there is value on Harrogate this weekend. Not enough for me to take them in the one by two for the sake of this show. But basically, despite nine points between them in the league table, Harrogate having played a game less, I really don't think there's that much between these sides. You know, the start of the season that Cambridge had can really account for a, a large part of that nine points gap between the two sides. Um, if you look at the underlying numbers, you, you pretty much can't split them. They're, they're, they're very, very similar teams in terms of what they create and what they give up. Um, and look, Cambridge have had Paul Mullen. He's the top scorer in the EFL. It might be slightly reductive to say that that's the only reason they are where they are. But I mean, that's always going to help when you have a player like that. Harrogate haven't had that. Uh, and they haven't picked up as many wins. But they have won six of their 11 away games, which I had not noticed until this week, and only one of their nine home games. So it doesn't look like a fluke either. If you look at the XG tables away from home, a 61% XG ratio, which is unbelievably unusual and very, very good for a team playing away from home. The second best in League One, uh, sorry, in League Two after Carlisle, I believe. So I don't think this is a fluke that they've won six of their 11 away games. Their setup seems to lend itself to, to, to games away from home. Cambridge have got a good home record in fairness, um, though in December they did lose at home to Oldham and Mansfield before beating Orient and Colu 2-1. So this is just thinking, I think Harrogate are a bit of value. I think BTTS is a shout because Cambridge haven't kept a clean sheet in their last 12 
and Harrogate have only kept two in their last 14 and they've got big Paul Mullen to deal with. So yeah, based on thinking Harrogate were value and thinking BTTS was a shout, uh, that seemed like an obvious um, sort of stick it all together. Harrogate and BTTS, 11 to 2. Uh, that is my selection for this weekend. So just run me through what you've put forward for us, George. Yeah, napping Bradford to beat Scunthorpe away. Uh, Accrington join a bet at Charlton next best and then nil-nil or no goal scorer in Port Vale against Grimsby. And I've got Gillingham as my nap uh, in the same game. Connor Ogilvy to score first at 33-1. to uh, I'm backing Callum Hudson-Odoi to score any time for Chelsea against Morecambe. I'm going to wash my mouth out very swiftly after this podcast, don't worry. Uh, and Har- <laughs> Harrogate and BTTS at 11-2 to away to Cambridge. So, I mean, go well this weekend with your own selections, guys. Let's um, keep our fingers crossed that we get similar luck to last week um, and pick up a fair few winners. Just for now, um, the next 25 minutes of the pod or so is going to be the weekly 5Y5. That is a show that George and I do about five yards, about players on five yards that we think are interesting. And it should give you a taste of the sorts of things that we think about when we are analysing players, I guess, when we are having a think about who to add to our squads. Um, it's it's a game that uh, basically wants you to scout players, wants you to put your opinion down on paper about all players from across world football, but tons in the EFL as well. And if you fancy it as well, you can put your money where your mouth is, essentially. You can deposit funds, you can buy into players, um, and you can try and basically beat the five-yard scouts who have set values. So please do check it out, fiveyards.co.uk. In the meantime, enjoy this week's 5Y5, and we'll talk again on Monday. George, before we start our 5Y5 analysis, just catch me up on some of the purchases made on site over the festive <laughs> period. Who was popular on five yards? It's interesting because you'd think the popular players would normally be the ones who are young and who are coming through, but the most popular, Edinson Cavani. Maybe not there a massive surprise because some people would have thought he was maybe over the hill, but early signs at Manchester United suggests that he's still a pretty good striker, even if he doesn't really start very often. Uh, Rodrigo de Paul and Bruno Fernandes, Rafinha and Daniel Marlon making up for the other ones. A few in the EFL, uh, Josviak, the Derby winger, Emi Buendia, Morgan Gibbs-White, no longer EFL, just recalled by Wolves from his loan spell at Swansea. He's been popular since the word go, so I guess people holding on to a bit of Gibbs-White quite excited that he might be playing in the Premier League if he's fit. Michael Olis, Gustavo Harmer, Rico Henry, uh, all proving very popular indeed. So those are the guys who you guys <laughs> are enjoying. Now it's our turn to tell you who we think you should be buying. My only festive purchase was Rafinha, who was clearly popular. Uh, he was one of the names in there and things have started very, very well. Very, very He's well very for good. me and Rafinha in five yards player. terms. Uh, I'm looking forward to the window opening again on Friday, maybe doing a little bit more business. Um, but that Cavani, you know, that name jumps out, doesn't it, as you say, and it kind of speaks to the different ways of playing five yards. Of course, you know, we want to be the ones to find the next superstar, the next wonder kid, and to have them in our squad from the get-go. But there is value to be had with older players as well by trying to to get in front of a, a good month or two of performance pay. And I guess that's mm. the thinking behind Cavani. I'm actually going to talk about one of his teammates, Marcus Rashford, uh, or Marcus Rashford MBE, uh, as I should call him, his full name, of course. Now, he is unsurprisingly, you know, towards the top of uh, five yards in terms of player pricing. He's £71 million. It's probably around 
20th overall or just inside the top 20, I would say, in the 21 to 25 age bracket. He's the eighth most expensive player on the game. So um, he's a really interesting uh, prospect, I think, because there is both a short-term aspect to this. Interestingly, one of the things that, that flagged him up to me was looking at the fixtures in the Premier League over the next month or so. United have got some pretty nice fixtures in the next four uh, they have got Liverpool away within that period, but they've also got Burnley and Fulham away from home. Of course, they've been brilliant away, haven't they? Uh, and Sheffield United as well. And I just have a feeling that for Rashford, whether it's for five yards or whether it's for fantasy football, whatever it might be, I've got a feeling it could be a good month of January for him on the pitch. I think in five yards terms, that means we might see some PP returns. And maybe, if that's the case, another price rise if he's really looking good. He has got four in his last five in the Premier League. So he's been in good form recently. And again, this season, when you look at the sort of key top line attacking stats and metrics... He's always towards the top, isn't he? Now that uh, you know, now that he's growing into his career, this season he's in the top ten for goals, for assists, for non-penalty expected goals, for shots on target as well. So interesting from a short-term perspective, Rashford for sure. But for the for the mid-term, it's an interesting one. This this is why I wouldn't go for a strong buy here necessarily. Remember, he's not going to be raking in the performance pay from now to the end of the season because United are out of the Champions League and that's where he's earned two-thirds of his 7.8 million in PP already this season. Europa League performance pay doesn't come close to, uh, to Champions League performance pay. So I wouldn't get too excited about that. But of course, United's good form has put them in with a very strong chance of Champions League football next season. The current odds suggest a 75% probability. So I think we can expect Rashford to be playing Champions League football next year. And that's where he he really did very well this season. Long term, he's just a really interesting one for me. He's only 23, Rashford. I think people forget that because it feels like he's Mm. been around for a while. Um, He's got quite a lot of mileage on his body, quite a lot of minutes played for a 23-year-old attacking player. But his general fitness and injury record is pretty good, I would say. And crucially for me, at this moment in time, it's very difficult to imagine that Manchester United would be looking to move him on or for him to fall out of favour completely for quite a long time. And, and you can look at the history of Manchester United and their young players that come through the system. You can look at how popular he is as a human being, as well as his development and his skills as a player. So I, I think if you're looking to hold Rashford for a long time, you can at least be very confident that he's going to be playing and starting games for Manchester United for the foreseeable future. And I'm talking five years plus here. So I, I think when considering him in five yards terms, everyone's going to have an opinion on how good they think he is now and crucially how good he can be in the future, whether he'll ever be considered one of the top forward players in the game. I don't know. Maybe he won't quite reach that point, but um, at 71 million, I think he's a really, I mean, this is what it's all about. I think he's a fascinating price. I think there'll be some people who really want to be on board long-term and I think there'll be people who might think that seems a bit high. So Marcus Rashford, MBE, the first player to think about this week (laughs) on 5x5. Yeah, next one, another Premier League player, I guess, because there's no Champions League stuff that I'm going to talk about is Hyung Min Son. I like talking about players that I've watched fairly recently, so they're fresh in the mind. And I watched Hyung Min Son scoring the second goal for Tottenham last night in the Carabao Cup semi-final against Brentford. And you know, he's been in brilliant goal-scoring form this season. And I think it's probably fair to put that down to something of a hot streak, you know, of his, I think he scored 12 goals in 16 games so far this season from 4.6 expected goals. Mm. So that suggests that this run of goal scoring probably is unsustainable. But the idea that that means 
that he's not a buy, I think, is wrong, effectively. I think if you look at his track record as a, in his career at Spurs in the Premier League, it stacks up to being a bit of a PP monster. You know, he, mm. he's got 65 goals and 35 assists and 176 Premier League appearances. I mean, that is decent record. You know, that's, you know, 100, uh, 176 goal involvements. And also, you look at his age. He's 28 years old. He turns 29 next summer. And that initially would make you think, you know, how long is the longevity here? But I think what we're seeing in recent years, you know, Jamie Vardy is a key example. If players are 28, 29 years old and are playing a style of football and a means of football which belies their older years, I mean, he's two years younger than me, for God's sake, but um, it, there's no reason to think he can't carry on playing at this level well into his 30s, I would say. Vardy himself, you know, if you look at the way that he's continued to score goals and continue to play, he's still got that searing pace. And I remember when you and I interviewed Gary Taylor Fletcher, who's an old teammate of his, and he said that Leicester say he's, Jamie Vardy's in the best form of his shape of his life now. Mm. And with Son, I think that's fine. I'm happy to basically draw a line through the 28 years old because of his style of play, because of the form that he's in, and be happy to think that he can probably carry on playing at this level for another four or five years. So as soon as you do that, and as soon as you strip back the fact that he's probably overscoring at the moment, his career record is good. And, it, I, and I think he'll be playing at the top level for a long time. He will want to play Champions League football. That is an issue. And he's not at the moment at Spurs. Of course, there's every chance that Jose Mourinho could take Spurs into Europe next season. But we've also seen that a fair few European giants on the continent aren't too bothered about forking out a lot of money for a, um, an older attacking player. You know, we've seen both Spanish clubs do it. We've seen you know, the money that went into the Juventus deal for Cristiano Ronaldo. So I'm not putting it past Son making a move at some stage in the next couple of years to play Champions League football, in which case, of course, he would again be, be open to, those, to that PP. I think knowing Daniel Levy as well, he's somebody who'd probably be quite happy to cash in on an ageing asset um, and probably rather do that than, than, than with Harry Kane. So there's a lot to like here. I mean, Andy Francis um, scouted him up on five yards and had him as a buy when he was valued 40, 49 million. He's now 47 million. He's actually gone, so he's gone down 2 million since then. He has him as, as level now 90, potential 90. Um, I think that's probably fair. I mean, we're not going to necessarily see him improve from here, but if he continues at the high level he's on, he's a world-class player, he scores goals, gets assists, even, you know, even if um, he's not going to continue scoring at this rate, I still think we've got a guy who's going to be playing at the top level for a long time who could even get a transfer to boost his value further. No matter what you think about Son, I think we would have all liked to have bought him and added him to our squad at the start of this season. I think it's fair to say. Uh, I'm actually going not too far away to uh, Spurs' key rivals, Arsenal. Uh, and this is for a player who maybe we're not, we're not that keen to hold in our squad overall. A sell, if you will. Uh, and I wouldn't be having Thomas Partey at £30 million as he is on five yards at the moment. Um, firstly, to say, I mean, I, we shouldn't need to caveat it each week because I think so far in this section, we've spoken about Messi and De Bruyne, basically some of the best players in the world. But of course, I will say, for the sake of not being attacked by the Arsenal masses, that I think Partey's a brilliant player. Um, mm. And I think his return from injury, which I think is imminent, will make Arsenal a whole lot better and added to their good recent form. You know, it makes me relatively excited for, for what could come for Arsenal over the next few months. This season has been hampered by uh, a thigh injury, two, two lots of it, really. He came back too early uh, and, it, and, and was injured in that first half against Spurs on his return. He's been out again since then. But I would say that 
he's barely missed a game in his whole career through injury up to this point. So generally his injury record, very, very good. Of course, with five yards, we know that the Champions League is, is it's not the be all and end all, but it's hugely important for performance pay. It just dwarfs every other competition that you can play in for performance pay. And last season, Partey got 7.4 million in performance pay, but 5.2 million of that came from Champions League uh, um, sort of outcomes. And that was with Atletico Madrid, of course, who are basically a lock for the Champions League every season. But Arsenal haven't been in the Champions League for four seasons now. I'm very confident in predicting that they won't be in it next season. And so if you're thinking of having any Arsenal player, but Partey in this instance, I mean, how confident are you that Arsenal will either next season finish in the top four in the Premier League or win the Europa League and qualify that reason? I mean, I would say that's Mm. more likely not to happen than it is to happen. So on top of that, someone who doesn't score a lot of goals, doesn't assist many goals, in PP terms... You, you know, it's really just wins and the odd goal and assist that's going to get you there. So even if, like, I tried to be really generous predicting Partey's output because, of course, when you're buying a player on five yards, you should sit down and you should try and map out how you think it's going to go over the next three, four, five years. You can you can basically get your calculator out and and guess how many how many PP returns someone's going to get, and that'll give you a good idea of what whether you think it's value or not. Difficult for me to see Partey racking up much PP over the next. 18 months, two, three years, even if Arsenal win 50% of their Premier League games from now until the end of the season, and then 50%, 19 wins out of 38 next season, let's say, which would be a big improvement on this season. If he starts every single game between now and the end of next season and gets, let's say, five goals and five assists, which would be pretty much his best return, that'll be £5.2 million in PP from the Premier League. And let's say that Arsenal gets to the semi-finals of the Europa League this season and the semi-finals of the Europa League next season. We'll give him 14 starts in Europa League wins uh, and a goal and an assist as well. That's about the right rate. So another 1.6 million. So in my projections, this is just the way that my brain's working in five yards terms. That's 6.8 million for Partey in the next 18 months, at which point he'll turn 29. And that's with maximum availability and very generous projections in PP terms for him and Arsenal. So at that point you'd have got 6.8 million pounds in pp and then you'd be after really another four seasons of at least 5 million to get anywhere close to that 30 million pound valuation that he is at the moment and his price is only going to decline due to his age so for me i don't think he's an asset to a 5 yard squad that will hold value and therefore if things aren't going well you can kind of get out easily i actually think the value is most likely to depreciate so I guess the big question is, would he ever get a move from Arsenal to another elite team? Like a team that goes deep into the Champions League every season. It seems unlikely at his age and probably given his wage at Arsenal as well will be very high. So there you go. A brilliant midfielder who I think improves Arsenal loads when he returns. But just when we apply five yards thinking to it, someone that I would certainly be leaving alone. And you might disagree. And that's the beauty of five yards. <laughs> no, I do disagree. I, sorry, I do agree. I do agree with you. Um, I didn't mean you from, personally, George. I meant no, you, no. The, the viewer. The, the collective you. Um, <laughs> I'm going down to the EFL, which is our bread and butter, um, and an Oxford player, which is, you know, which is my salt on top of the butter, maybe. Um, <laughs> but I... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's exciting for me as an Oxford fan to be able to talk about an Oxford player. Um, and Rob Atkinson is going up on five yards at some point in the next couple of days so I don't know what value he's going to be going up at I'm very excited to see what the lads have come up with because 
and I'm, I'm almost tempted not to do this because I'm scared they're going to watch it and bump him up a bit, which would be actually disgraceful if you ask me. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about a player who, you know, he's a left-footed centre-back of, of which there aren't very many going in, in English football, in the EFL. They're, they're a pretty unique um, talent group because everybody would like to have a right-footed and left-footed centre-back. Atkinson joined a year ago straight from Eastleigh in the in non-league. He was known as the Vanarama Van Dyke at Eastleigh for his ball playing abilities out from the back. He's six foot four, so he's a physical specimen. So he's a decent defender. He wins a lot of duels in the air, um, but it's his ball playing which really stands him out because he has the ability and the tendency and the willingness when he gets the ball at his feet and he looks up and he sees space in front of him he just runs into it mm. and he's got this bizarre running style where even though he's six foot four, he has such quick strides. You know, he's not like a, a one of the center backs, like a Tony Adams who kind of galumps up the pitch. He just loads the little touches and he manages to shrug off the, the, the defenders coming near him. It is remarkable. And it's lucky that Oxford have a player in Alex Gorin who's kind of positionally uh, so responsible that he can kind of drop in to fill the space that's, that's exposed by Atkinson. And he didn't really come into the team last season. He was given time to kind of bed in at League One level. He's now a starting centre-back for Oxford. And every week that goes by, it becomes very, very clear that this 22-year-old is destined for, for much, much higher things. It's, it's not going to be long until he's playing in the Championship or the Premier League. Uh, he's got some kind of pedigree where he, he came through at Fulham. So he's got that kind of Premier League academy behind him. Um, but he's just a player who, when you look at, if you're a manager looking to the EFL, he kind of ticks every single box because there, mm. there aren't many players who can do what he can do. And, and so given the right coaching and the right amount of time, 22 is incredibly young for a centre-back. I mean, I think, not to, not to quote our, our friend Harry Redknapp, but I think he's going right to the top. Um, I, I think he's, <laughs> he's, he's improving very quickly. Uh, he's not, you know, right now, I don't think he's a championship centre-back. I, I, I think he would benefit by carrying on playing games at League One level. Um, but he's improving very, very quickly. And mm. it's not going to be long until he moves on. So, I mean, I'm hoping he's going to be... I mean, he's a League One player still. So I'm hoping he's going to be... Well, um, let, 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 me, let me tell you the prices of the current League One centre-backs on five yards. I mean, Ross Sykes okay. of Accrington is 1.8 million. Very, very cheap. Dan Ballard, Blackpool, 4 million. I think he's on loan from the Premier League. Lewis Monsmer, 5.5 million. Uh, Jacob Greaves, the Hull youngster, 6 million. And Akin Famewo at Charlton is eight million, but he's also on loan from a higher level. Uh, in the Championship, you've got Rob Dickey, who Atkinson replaced. He's six point five million on five yards, and Harry Souter is nine million. And then way above them, you've got Mark Guehi on loan from Chelsea, of course, at fifteen, and Nathan Collins, the young Stoke centre back, at nineteen million. So I'm interested when when you hear those prices, what what you think Atkinson, you know, where we might be looking there. I reckon probably just below Monsma would be my would be my hunch because Monsma scores all over goals. That. Yeah, I'd, I'd be I'd be buying. Yeah, 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 I would be. Good. Um, and I think he'd just be a really exciting person to to have in your squad on the game because he's a great player to watch, <laughs> and you know it gives me a bit of a heart attack watching him for Oxford because you do think like where are you going here? And it's going to go wrong sometimes, as often it does with brave players like that. But um, yeah, he's, a, he's an exciting one. I just hope he's still our player at the end of the month. 
I, I know firsthand that he's been involved in plenty of scoring moves for Oxford this season with those gallops upfield because you mm. message me every time <laughs> um, with a lot of capital letters and a lot of exclamation marks. Um, Atkinson is one of 21 players going up on platform uh, as this week comes to a close. So please keep an eye on our Twitter account, five yards on Twitter, two underscores between the two words because that's where you can see a list of all 21. I mean, eye-catching names amongst them, Emil Smith-Rowe, who has been big for Arsenal the last few weeks, Jacob Ramsey of Villa, uh, Alexander Sorloff, Liam Delap, Jaffet Tanganga. Um, as I mentioned at the top, we're now up to date with all first-time requests. So when you join Five Yards, if you requested a player, they are now on Five Yards. You can add them to your squad as soon as you like. But the player that I'm going to talk about, who I think is really interesting for us as followers of the EFL, is Philip Zinkenagel. Not just because I have been saying his name out loud regularly <laughs> over the last week, because it is very, very rewarding. But yeah, Zinkenagel signed for Watford on a free. They managed to do some clever bit of uh, yeah, cle- bit of cleverness really to get him confirmed before the Brexit, uh, you know, withdrawal from the EU. Not to get political, but that would have held this move back. But Watford got it done before then. He joins from Bodo Glimt on a five and a half year contract. And for someone his age, that's pretty impressive. That'll take him into his early thirties on a free transfer. And you can't help but to be really intrigued as to what to expect from this guy, because many of you guys watching will know that Bodo Glimt, one of the, one of the best stories of 2020, basically, was Bodo's uh, Norwegian Premier League win, the way that they did it, and also some of the individual players that they had at their disposal. Zinkenagel got 18 goals and 19 assists, 37 total goal contributions in the Norwegian Prem last season. And his relationship with Junker, the striker, and Jens Petter Hauger, who now plays for AC Milan, was absolutely amazing. So I think there will have been quite a lot of people somewhat surprised that he has landed in England's second tier rather than a top-tier division um, uh, uh, somewhere else in Europe or beyond. So I just can't wait to see how this goes. And I don't think, look, we don't know what price he'll be up on five yards just yet. So we'll wait and see. I've got a few reservations for this, just in the sense that it's easy to get blinded by the goals and assist totals. Um, He was the most creative player in the league by miles. He took a ton of shots, the most in the league, the most from long range. He scored a lot of set pieces and set up a lot of goals from set pieces. Everything clicked for Zinkenagel last season. It was the perfect season for a player like him who both created and scored a ton. Now, before that, the two seasons prior to last season, six goals and three assists in one of them, six goals and seven assists in the other. And I just wonder if there's an extent to which Zinkenagel and Bodo and some of those other players just met at the right time, came together at the right time, and everything clicked at the right time. You often see it with teams who who perform above expectation. Quite often, it's almost like the perfect storm. And almost always, those players get picked off by richer teams, either from the same country or from abroad. And although this is only anecdotal, and I haven't done research on this, it quite often feels like they don't perform quite as well or seemingly don't live up to expectations as much as they did at the, the team where they had the perfect storm. So I'm going to be keeping an eye on all of these Bodo players. I haven't seen a ton of Zinkenagel, so I won't say that he's great or say that he's rubbish. But I will just say those numbers are so eye-catching. If he can get anywhere close to that sort of production in the championship uh, after a betting in period at Watford, then we've got a serious player on our hands. But you can't say that Watford is the most functional place right now. 
you can't say that they've got a very clear style of play, um, a load of players who have played together for a long time and who have great chemistry on the pitch. And so it's not going to be easy for Zinkanagel, that's for sure. Five and a half year deal um, means that he's got plenty of time to bet in. He's got Ishmael Assar probably to displace first anyway. But yeah, I'm just interested to see how Zinkanagel translates to, uh, to Watford and to the Championship. Hopefully we'll get more of the same output uh, that he had at Bodo last season. So those are the two, two of the guys, Atkinson and Zinkanagel, going up on five yards at the end of this week. The transfer window is open on Friday and hopefully maybe some of the people we've spoken about today, maybe some of the new players going on platform or maybe something else that catches your eye, you might do some business in the Friday transfer window. And that's been us on the 5Y5 this week. Join us next week. Let us know if there's anyone you'd like us to break down, like us to analyse on this show. We'd be more than happy to take suggestions. And we'll talk again next week.